Been tracking you, Mandalorian. I'm here for the armor. If you want my armor, you'll have to peel it off my dead body. I don't want your armor. I want my armor. The following takes place between 8 p.m. and 10 p.m. folks it is monday night and we are live hey welcome everybody to the after hours live stream of the mike cyber radio podcast powered by poddex i am your host so glad to be here with you on a monday night for our last show of the year uh this is the last one for 2020 and uh for many of us and i i think we'll talk about this a little bit as we go um kind of a kind of good riddance in a in, in a way um but got a got a jam-packed show for you tonight um i i get a feeling looking at the clock that this one's going to be like one of those extra bonus uh, uh size ones uh i've been um uh compiling stuff throughout the day as uh, as i went and i think i have way more stuff than i have time for so um I'll, I'll get through everything i got as best as uh as best as we can but uh before we get there i want to remind you that this is a live listener participation live stream so if you've got questions or comments as we go uh don't be shy uh chime in uh in the comment section on whatever platform uh you're streaming the show all right then so uh let's uh let's just get right to it then and kick things off with some shout outs. Uh, so I do have a, a few shout outs. I want to kind of start off uh, the top of the show with, um, first of all, uh, coming up this Wednesday, December the 30th, uh, that is when the brand new Transformers War for Cybertron uh, Netflix series, the next chapter, Earthrise, drops on Netflix. And um, because of that, uh, more or less... Uh, that's kind of like the prevailing Transformers related uh, content this week is folks doing uh, doing early reviews. Now, Netflix has done something really cool uh, with uh, uh, with these Netflix shows going back uh, to earlier in the summer, starting with Siege, where they would get uh, screener access for members of transformers media you know podcasters uh presumably youtubers and and uh, uh perhaps a uh, web print journalist type of folks as well uh, more or less folks that 
aren't me. <laughs> uh, but no, like uh, so uh, several podcasters uh, and friends of the show, friends of mine have been doing their uh, watch throughs of Transformers War for Cybertron Earthrise, uh, chapter two of the War for Cybertron trilogy, and have been doing uh, review content for that. And uh, they they were given a couple rules, unlike uh with siege there 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 was more bullet points of like well you can talk about this but you can't talk about that and uh around apparently the restrictions were more basic and easier to follow uh no character deaths uh nothing about the final episode episode number six and nothing about character introductions and i um i, I still feel bad that that i kind of pointed this out but um uh but my buddy anthony Burcali and his um a spoiler free review of siege uh, War for Cybertron, he revealed that the character of Soundblaster uh, makes an appearance. And there's nothing in the Netflix guidelines or embargo or anything like that that says that he can't reveal it because they were so exacting and specific in the content that he could talk about. Uh, but for me, uh, being a fan of the cassette man and or I guess in this case now the cassette men um, that that was actually kind of like a huge spoiler for me because I didn't know that that character was one going to be a character, but then two was going to actually be um, uh, ha have a part to play in that episode of Siege. So um, nothing like that this time around, but I, I wanted to shout out to uh, special episodes and i kind of jumped ahead in uh in my shout out there but the uh transmissions podcast yeah i i've been a guest on their show before uh daryl and charles and jeremy are uh, uh friends of the show friends of mine and they did a episode uh a special episode of transmissions alt mode uh, episode number 18 talking about war for cybertron earthrise and their guest was you guessed it um ant from tfu.info and they uh, uh the show runs about 40 minutes i think and they um it, it was very non-spoiler they kind of uh touched on what they thought of the siege series uh, for the most part, folks were were pretty positive on it and then just kind of talked in broad strokes uh, what their impressions of Earthrise was. And again, Earthrise drops uh, this Wednesday, the 30th. Um, but what I what I liked also is that they did it as a video that's available on YouTube. So you can check out uh, Transmissions Alt Mode uh, special number 18 uh, as a podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast. Or you can check out the video on YouTube where it's uh, Daryl, Charles and Jeremy and uh, Ant uh, talking on video uh, on camera. Uh, kind of doing a a I don't think they did it live. I think I think it was pre-recorded, but it was still a filmed uh, podcast. And I, I I'm discovering more and more that folks 
in the COVID quarantines are kind of uh, consuming podcasts and podcast type media as videos on YouTube. It's st it's still something I haven't quite gotten used to, and it's still something that I'm kind of. Uh, uh, I, I, I don't want to say I'm a curmudgeon about it, but I, because of my workflow, I don't necessarily have that same opportunity to sit and watch videos um, as I do being able to listen to podcasts. But I'm kind of in a weird spot where I'm still working from work. And so as such, I do still have a little bit of a commute. Um, so anyway, uh, uh, check that out. That is, uh, transmissions, uh, alt mode special number 18, uh, that's available, uh, on the transmissions feed and on their YouTube page. Now, uh, speaking of my dude, Anthony Bercali, uh, Ant from TFU.info this week also saw the triumphant return of Transformers University in the form of TF News and Views number 41. And basically, much like with the Transmissions episode, this was um, Ant's non-spoiler review of War for Cybertron Earthrise, the six episodes that will be out on Netflix on the uh, 30th. Um, he uh, he gives some really good insights about the Siege season, uh, season one, and he's um, he, he's got some really thought-provoking criticisms and observations about Earthrise, but um, I, I think that episode, uh, TFU News and Views number 41, uh, really dovetails with the transmission show that, that I was just talking about that. I happened to uh, listen to that one first. I was actually listening to it on, on my walk this morning while I was, while I was walking around. Um, but I, I really liked how he embellished and fleshed out uh, points that were only briefly mentioned uh, with with the transmissions guys. He's got a lot of insight about uh, the voice acting and the budgetary limits and and a handful of other things um, uh, there as well. Um, but the the thing that uh, that really stuck with me is he uh, he gave a a really great perspective from the standpoint of well being a Emmy winning news and sports television producer uh, that I really appreciated he uh, analogies involving paper towels and and t-shirts uh um kind of you know kind of kind of comparing certain types of television to clothing that that really resonated with me in a big bad way uh you know kind of given my background here in news and talk radio for my day job as well as podcasting here um i'd also uh like to mention uh steer you towards uh his video uh that is available on youtube as well it's a little different than the video that they did for transmissions where it's just the four of them uh, not all that dissimilar to how you're seeing me here now uh, uh dudes in a box but um uh, apparently, Netflix has either released or otherwise made available um, like some like 100 images uh, promotion stills for the Transformers War for Cybertron Earthrise uh, series. So um, Ant took those stills and incorporated them into his video. So um, it's you don't see him. He's not on camera. But as you go through, you'll see. Um, 
you'll, you'll see uh, some new faces in there as well as some old friends. If you look closely at the images, uh, nothing too terribly spoilery. I wouldn't say anything that's any more than what we've already seen in the two trailers uh, that are available for the uh, for the Netflix series. So but I, I thought that was really cool because like, you know, just just to see alternate angles of characters that we've already seen and have been revealed like you see a little more of the mercenary factions you see uh glimpses of the quintessons and it just um yeah it was it, it was really neat and um i also want to let you know that he'll be releasing a spoiler filled episode uh sometime after the show drops uh but more than anything i'm uh i'm just glad he's back uh between uh moving to florida and you know the holidays it it's you know it, it can be exhausting um to say nothing about just the 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 general uh existential dread that is the year 2020 um i i know it's uh it's been hard for um, a lot of us to keep up the motivation uh, to keep past, uh, casting them pods. But I am, uh, again, I'm uh, I'm very glad uh, that my dude Ant is back on the mic. And now that uh, that Ant is doing more video stuff, like we saw with the, the transmissions guys, uh, he and I might have to get together for a live stream uh, sometime, um, you know, hopefully uh, sooner than later uh before i move on i uh, i want to um uh, shout out a couple folks in the chat uh um, apollo joins us as usual uh so hey there char uh, thanks for joining us uh but then um I, I I didn't I didn't have this in my notes, but I got to tell the story uh, uh, very briefly about the power of social media, I guess. I've um, so I, I've I've been on Facebook for maybe. Oh, I, I don't remember. Maybe three years, something like that. And in that time, uh, I, I've connected with and reconnected with folks from high school. Well, actually, yeah, yeah, a person or two. I, I had to I had to think about it. But um, uh, but I had a, a friend of mine uh, that I knew uh, back in middle school, back in the eighth grade. His name's Chris. And he just popped into the um, chat here uh, saying, what's up, Mike? And um, uh, found me out of the blue, uh, sent me a friend request and sent me a message saying like, hey, man, I don't know if you remember me or not, but, you know, we uh, uh, we were buddies in in the eighth grade and just kind of lost touch. And I, I've talked about this on the on the show before, but um, when I was a kid, I, I moved around um, quite a lot. And in some ways that kind of uh, hindered my ability to. Uh, kind of uh, maintain longstanding friendships. Like I, I don't have any longtime friends from childhood. You know, like folks that I like knew from grade school or things like that. Um, uh, I, I think that's that's what makes me so uh, especially grateful for the friendships that I have now that I've that I forged through. Uh, uh, through podcasting and Transformers and Star Wars and, and, you know, radio and music and, and, you know, independent arts and, you know, kind of like the, this whole thing that, um, that, that I didn't necessarily, um, 
do when uh when i was younger so it really surprised me when uh uh when chris found me on facebook and and uh reached out out of nowhere and with that um i i would also share some advice so if you um happen to be on facebook and you find somebody that you're uh like like the the algorithm matches you up you might know this person uh maybe enough mutual friends or other coincidences or things like that um, I, I would recommend that you do what uh, what Chris did is in addition to your uh, friend request, um, send a DM also and say, oh, hey, by the way, uh, because like I, I saw it and I was like, Chris, I'm like, I remember being friends with a Chris back in the eighth grade, but um this the the same person and by the by the time i i did that legislation he had uh he had uh reached out to me so i just i i thought that i thought that was a i thought that was a really cool story and um you know maybe we'll take the opportunity and uh, uh reconnect at uh at, at some point soon but um yeah that that was i i I just, I, I don't know. I, I get, a, um, I, I'm occasionally beside myself and, um, especially around the holidays too, where it's kind of like, you know, a time of, uh, transition and, you know, kind of like, uh, getting over one year and going into the next, uh, things like that. So I, um, anyway, I'm rambling too much about that. Um, speaking of our favorite robots in disguise. Um, I have an Icon online update for you that I would like to share. As a reminder, uh, the uh, as we discussed on last week's show, uh, where we revealed uh, VIP, our new team member slash mascot, um, and yeah, I mean that that was um, that was a ton of fun. We did two live streams uh weekend before last and i uh stitched it together as a um a double podcast episode uh so that's available that's uh that's last week's episode but i want to remind you that the uh deadlines have been extended to january 3rd for both the cosplay contest as well as uh panel submissions um, and I also want to remind you as, as I look over at my notes, um, Icon online, as, as we've mentioned, uh, over the last several weeks and several episodes, um, Icon online is a not-for-profit fan organized fan run, uh, online transformers event. It's a virtual convention looking to replace, um, more or less the, the, entire 2020 convention season that that we just kind of saw go out the window um but you know we're we're still accepting uh panelists and participants in the cosplay contest uh you can head over to the website icononline.wordpress.com uh for uh both of those applications and again that deadline has been extended uh to January 3rd and i i would also mention that we're we've extended the deadline um not so much because we don't have enough content to fill the schedule it's because we have an abundance of content and we're trying to figure out 
how to uh, concoct the schedule, if that makes sense. Um, so if you are waiting until the last minute to get in your panel submissions, this is pretty much the last minute. And I know there are a few friends of mine that I have kind of casually approached about uh, doing uh, panels, but um, uh, the again, the submission period has not closed yet. So you got until January 3rd uh, to be included in Icon Online. And we've uh, we've also seen uh, more uh, cosplay submissions. We've seen some new folks in the rig category as well as in the human former category, which as we learned in last week's podcast is, is basically where um, you're through cosplay, you're reinterpreting a Transformers robot character as a human person. So like, um, you know, I have seen a lot of fan art uh, circulating over, uh, over the weekend. Um, some uh, very, very dapper looking Decepticons too. I thought that that was really cool and kind of, kind of like sort of a uh, bridge to human formers. I'm not a cosplayer. I don't speak to this stuff very well. I need Chally to jump on and, uh, and, uh, and kind of set me straight there. But more than anything, I did want to remind you that that deadline has been extended to January 3rd. Go to icononline.wordpress.com and apply right now. But I have another awesome guest announcement that I would like to share with you right now. So give me just a moment here. I am going to share my screen and then, um, so you're welcome to do a, a, um, a drum roll uh, wherever you are at. I am going to uh, share my screen and oh hey there it is look at that uh we got him <laughs> icon online welcomes the one and only Livio Ramadelli as an official guest. Uh, he is going to be answering your questions along with Andrew Griffith and Shane McCarthy uh, during the convention. There is a Google document that is available now. I'm just screen sharing um, a tweet here from the Icon Online Twitter account. Um, so you can click on that Google Doc and that will take you to uh, where you can submit uh, your uh, questions. And um, Livio's a cool dude. Like I, um, um, I've had him on my show to talk about his um, his creator owned uh, comic series, The Kill. That trade paperback just came out. So if uh, if you haven't checked out uh, the Kill Lock yet, go ahead and uh, do so. It's uh, it, it's very different from what he's done with Transformers, but um, it it was a it was a really cool series. It's his first fully creator owned uh, series for IDW Comics, and uh, he's also a longtime um, IDW comics artist for the transformers and and again he's just uh he's just an all-around uh good dude i i have um been seeing him at conventions i want to say since and i, I clocked this when he was on my show so that would have been 2019 and so yeah i've been seeing him at conventions since 2009 uh so for over 10 years uh, long before he started working on transformers and so i've i've just been a, a huge fan and a huge supporter 
um, of his art. So uh, we're we're incredibly stoked and happy to have uh, Livio Ramadelli as an official guest. And uh, I I appreciate his dynamic with Andrew Griffith too because they they are uh, they are longtime friends. They go way back. They they've had um, adventures together, and it's I. I I, I forget which panels I've seen them at, but like I, I've seen them like interact and uh, chat a few times. And uh, so that that's a lot of fun. I'm not as familiar with Shane McCarthy, so I'm, I'm very interested to see how how having a third person um, in that mix um, um, adds to that uh, that savory dude stew that, <laughs> that, uh, uh, that we're going to have going on. And and again, Icon Online, where all are one is January 30th and 31st. It is a uh, fan run 100% virtual Transformers fan convention. Um, and yeah, we're just, we're just uh, incredibly excited about it. It seems like every day there's something new that comes across our desk and it's, uh, um, it's just incredibly exciting. So, um, Livio Ramadelli is tonight's uh, guest um, announcement, and he joins Flint Dilly and Greg Berger and David Marriott as our uh, growing roster of uh, spotlight guests. Uh, but I also want to let you know that you need to keep your eyes open on the icon online social pages uh whether it be uh twitter or instagram or facebook or tumblr because uh tomorrow uh that will be tuesday december 29th um there's going to be another exciting guest announcement and um watching the emails go back and forth with this particular uh guest i'm I'm excited that they're excited and that's uh that's going to be really really cool. I cannot reveal who it is um uh you know with uh, with embargoes and whatnot uh but watch the Icon online socials on Tuesday and then um now granted if you're listening to this on a podcast you know it's it's Wednesday or later <laughs> and uh, and the announcement has already happened so um so but yeah it, it it's just kind of funny how um uh time shifting works it's like talking from the past about the future uh but I digress uh that's um that's going to be a ton of fun uh, January 30th and 31st. If you want to participate as a uh, cosplayer in our cosplay contest, or if you want to apply uh, to host a panel, uh, those applications and submissions are open uh, from now until January 3rd. And while you're there at the website, iacononline.wordpress.com, you will also find um, uh portals to documents to be able to ask our featured guest questions it'll take you to a google doc you can submit up to three questions uh they'll be screened by the staff and the guests and um i i've never seen a convention do that before and i i think that's one of the cool things that icon online is kind of adding new spokes to the wheel because you know one one of the mission statements of icon online is um that that 
inclusivity that you know some of us feel like we haven't necessarily had uh in terms of uh representation and inclusion with some of the other larger fan conventions so that that's uh that's one thing that members of our team came up with and I just I just think it's really cool. But um, the announcement train is going to continue and it's going to keep picking up steam as we go uh, into the new year. Uh, James has just jumped on uh, the chat. He's one of the hosts of the Distance Nerding podcast, uh, one of uh, one of our uh, Poddex posse uh, out there. And he asks, uh, where is the convention? Uh, Icon Online is on the Internet. That's where the convention is. Uh, it will be hosted virtually. Um, uh, there will be a uh live stream that i believe um and apollo might be able to <laughs> distance nerding yes i probably said distance learning didn't i um it's it's just funny how like some of those um certain phrases just kind of stick in your head and you get those those freudian slips so yes uh james host of distance nerding uh part of the poddex posse and again mike cyber radio is powered by poddex i uh, use uh, my promo code msrp10 to get 10 percent off your first order um anyway sorry <laughs> um, um apollo jumped in the chat i am all over the road tonight i apologize i i think i'm i think i've got um a little extra uh holiday spillover in the shortened week before new year's kind of in between christmas and and before new year's but um apollo jumped in the in the chat and uh saying the convention icon online is indeed online um and provided a link to the website again icononline.wordpress.com there will be um our panels and content will be streamed on youtube and twitch um i believe um uh but that's yeah, basically, some some of the content will be live, some of it will be pre-recorded, but all of it will be curated by the staff, and it's 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 just going to be a lot of fun. Uh, trying to as best as we can replicate that convention going experience. Now, while the content is happening on the live stream, uh, there will be a, a virtual artist alley where uh, you'll be able to connect with uh, independent artists, none of which I can name because that um, um, uh, the, the, a few things we, we still need to work out and haven't announced yet, but um, there will be a virtual art artist alley where you can connect with independent artists, get commissions, buy merch um and that's uh that's something that's uh, that we're really excited about as well because quite frankly part of the reason why we're doing this is one we want we want to connect with our friends because we've missed going to conventions but more than that um several artists kind of uh, uh paid for a bunch of prints and merch that they can't sell because there's no convention so um a lot of folks especially in the uh local independent space are sitting on a lot of inventory that that they just can't move so this this gives an opportunity for um 
for that to to you know make some sales and get connected there um so uh, uh james in the chat also mentions that distance nerding will definitely help promote sounds awesome and i appreciate it go check out their show uh distance nerding it is um it's i i don't want it, to it's um what i like about it is that one, it's very finely produced. The audio quality is uh, very good. And I like that it's a um, cornucopia of different pop culture type stuff it's like you know you you get you get your star wars you get you get some wrestling in there and um i i i haven't listened to a lot but i've uh, i i've really enjoyed uh what i've heard and you know maybe we'll uh maybe we'll get together and do a do a collab episode uh one of these times i i think that would be um super cool um so yeah so there's uh so there is your icon online update for this week and um uh, again uh keep your eyes open for the icon online uh social channels that's on twitter tumblr facebook and instagram all of those at icon online miss last week's episode have trouble remembering that hot take you heard find it all in the full archive on soundcloud.com by searching mike cybert radio I, I wanna I wanna tell a little bit of a Christmas story, but not like the the Ralphie kind. Uh first of all, I, I hope everyone had a great holiday. Um, you know, it's as we've said, 2020 has had its share of challenges. I don't know about you, but I've I've had more than a couple uh, uh, family interactions over Zoom and other um, other platforms. And while it's, I, you know, I've talked about this a lot before within context to uh, what what we're doing here with the podcast and the live stream, as disconnected as we have been from each other, we've also discovered that through this technology we've become connected in ways that we never thought to before like i've been podcasting for five years and i didn't start any of this video stuff until uh the pandemic and really it was it it became kind of the new standard for how i interviewed guests that that's really how it started it's like um you know i i, I reached out to somebody and they're like oh we're, we're gonna do it on zoom right and i was like uh, sure <laughs> and you know it, it's it's been interesting learning new tricks and adding new spokes to the wheel but um yeah like, like i said it, it's, it's just been kind of odd trying to uh, you know, it's parodied in commercials quite a bit, you know, uh, uh, folks either doing um, team meetings at work or uh, family functions on uh, on Zoom. I haven't done like the full Zoom family Thanksgiving or the Zoom family Christmas yet. I, I haven't been um, I, I haven't been uh, brave enough to try that yet. But um, we uh my wife and I, we, we had a low key Christmas. I, um, 
we didn't stay entirely at home. We did a we did a little bit of uh, visiting, uh, but in uh, small independent groups and with a uh, with a fair amount of uh, physical distancing. And I I wanted to talk about an experience I had at my aunt and uncle's uh, there, there were about a half dozen of us. And again, we were kind of uh, uh, physically distanced, but uh, there, there was a time where, where my uncle kind of gathered us around and it, fortunately they had a, a large enough uh, living room and he's like, okay, well now that we're all here, looks me right in the eye. And he's like, so um, Mandalorian, uh, what'd you think? And, uh, my, my uncle, Chris, he, I, I think one of his favorite things is to hear me talk about the things that I'm passionate about, even if that's a passion that he doesn't necessarily share. I think, I think he just likes that. I like things and it, it was interesting. So like, you know, I, I kind of like, on on a on an impromptu thing just kind of did not all that dissimilar to what i'm doing here i just kind of like did a show i almost should have started with um well yeah i mean i mean welcome back to mike cyber radio powered by pod decks uh, and uh but no i um i i talked about what i thought about the mandalorian and i'm not uh i i'm not necessarily going to get into it too much here uh i've got too much uh ground to cover and i'm already uh, uh way off schedule but um in a in a nutshell for me i feel that the mandalorian is the best thing to come out of the disney star wars era now uh, for some of us, for certain fans, um, this is what we thought the sequel, the sequel trilogy was going to be, or at least what we wanted. And I don't know. I just um, there, there's a subtlety and a deftness to the Mandalorian. Um, uh, Apollo jumps in the in the chat. So amazing. Um, yeah, it was, uh, I, I'm, I'm looking at the chat and I'm getting, uh, getting distracted. Um, sorry. No, I, I guess uh, brief thoughts on the Mandalorian. I really liked it. Um, and it, it gave me things that I had wanted for so long that I kind of forgot to stop asking for, um, especially kind of in the wake of uh, the sequels and kind of the the uh, Disney era, uh, for lack of better term. But uh, but what really cracked me up as as I was kind of doing this this whole uh, uh, conversation about Mando and what I thought about it and uh, especially the return of uh, a, a certain other bounty hunter, uh, the, the return of Boba Fett, my, uh, um, my, uh, my cousin said, she's like, you know, I, uh, I, I, I think I saw one of your streams on Facebook once and I, you know, it was late at night. So I, I just, I just kind of, um, I, I just kind of popped it on and, and you know it was it was pretty good it was pretty good and i thought that i i thought that was that was very sweet uh but as she continued to explain i i must have been talking about either transformers 
or Star Wars or Boba Fett or whatever. <laughs> but it cracked me up though because like she told me she's like, yeah, you know, the, there there were there were more than a few times that I had no idea what you were talking about. But I'd say that I picked up about picked up on about seventy percent about what you were uh what what you were talking about and it and it and it connected with me. I, I thought it was really good. So that's to me, that's that's kind of the highest compliment that somebody can give. And I I still struggle with some of that imposter syndrome because I, you know, and I, I talk to you about it a lot, but I, um, whenever somebody tells me that they listen to my podcast, my, my first impulse is to get bristly and shy and be like, oh, shucks. And I, I was doing some of that and I, uh, but I, I've learned to try to teach myself and I've tried to give you that advice as well that, you know, it, it's like, just take the compliment, you know, uh, someone is saying that they like your stuff be gracious. So I was, and I was like, well, you know, cause you know, I kind of, kind of went around in a circle, but I, I was just like, well, but no, I, I appreciate you taking your time and hanging out with me and, and for giving me feedback. So, um, don't lose sight of that. Uh, those of us that, that, that cast the pods, it's like, if somebody is telling you something, then, then, uh, um, take that. Now I, uh, a couple weeks ago, I, I talked about the return of Boba Fett and kind of kind of what it what it means to me. And it was it was one of those things that, you know, I, I talked about this before that, you know, it's it's um, I thought the story had progressed so far that that's just something that we were never going to see, you know, maybe in a cartoon, maybe in comic books and novels where where he's. Uh, resided for the for the last 20 some years um but for him to reappear and the way that he did and the way that he was uh reintroduced um it was it was really special um and you know e even now i i'm still kind of trying to uh reconcile my feelings on it because yeah it, it it's just a dude in a suit but for some of us that have been fans of this character for so long and in so many different iterations it, it was it was incredibly uh satisfying and gratifying and validating in that, you know, I, I talked about this a couple couple weeks ago, so I don't want to necessarily uh, retread it, but there there's kind of been a postmodern uh, backlash towards Boba Fett, like, oh well, you know, he he looks cool, but he's a lame character and went out like a punk, and and then there's kind of like been a like post post modern uh, approach to that where um it's like well yeah i just like the character and 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 that's that's where i've been and th and that's where i've landed like i'm really quiet when folks are critical and um with that episode of the mandalorian and the subsequent the book of boba fett that that will be coming uh next year 
again, I, I feel like I feel like I have a leg to stand on now when when I say that this this is a cool character and he is badass and it's uh yeah it's like I said it, it it's just something that I thought we would never get in live action for you know um uh so many different reasons but the thing that was revealed is that there will be uh the the next series on disney plus will be the book of boba fett it is coming uh december 2021 and i thought it was really interesting because in the season two finale of the mandalorian the current storyline comes to what could be interpreted as a conclusion and a satisfying conclusion to the point where one wonders where do you go from here with um with the reveal of the book of boba fett and the way that they revealed it um from the friday when the episode premiered to the monday when um, I think uh, John Favreau was on Good Morning America and um, and kind of that, you know, the Monday after is kind of when the unofficial embargo lifts and, you know, we're putting out character posters and, you know, anything that I mean, from a certain point of view, the, you know, the spoiler ban is kind of lifted like like that episode that Boba Fett returns in by Monday, there was a full size character poster of Boba Fett in his uh, in his at that point then modified armor. Um, but I thought during that weekend that the book of Boba Fett was going to actually be season three of the Mandalorian. I thought it was going to be the Mandalorian colon the book of Boba Fett, December 2021. But we've since learned that that is not the case. Um, season three of the Mandalorian will, I believe be the next year after. So we're looking at 2022 before we get to see the, the further adventures of Din Djarin and, uh, and, and his friends. So I think with that, there will be sufficient distance to uh, see where the story goes from there, because that's, that's a lot of time. Um, and it kind of can create a actual distance, more or less what it, what I'm, what I'm, uh, dancing around is I think there's going to be a time jump. I, I, and I think there's probably going to be a significant time jump. I'm, I'm going to put it on record now here and say about five years. I think it's going to be like five years after the events of season two. And we pick up, um, on what Mando has been up to. And you know what, since I got my speculator hat on, I think when we first, see the Mandalorian at the beginning of season three, two years from now, he's going to be in rough shape. I think he's going to be kind of similar to um, how Han Solo was uh, in between in the interceding time that we didn't see between return of the Jedi and the force awakens where, you know, he's, he's gone back to smuggling and he's, uh, you know, distanced himself from his family. And I, I think that's where Mando is going to be. I think, I think we're going to, for as much growth as he went through these last two seasons, I think he's going to regress that much farther. He's going to be like a harder, colder dude. Like we saw in like 
the first episode of the first season. Um, and, and I think that will be the, the story of season three will be him kind of trying to come back from that. Um, but, but that, that, that's just me being, um, a wild speculation person. Now, in terms of the book of Boba Fett, I have no idea what that's going to be. Um, I, I do think though, that Boba Fett makes for a more effective crime lord than Darth Maul. Um, maybe that will lead to some kind of confrontation between. Um, well, no, that that wouldn't work because Darth Maul is like spoilers, um, dead, dead at, at at the time of Rebels. So that that doesn't even work. Never mind. Unless they bring him back yet again. I have issues with that reveal at the end of Solo. It's it's whatever. Um, I, I so anyway, I I don't want to I don't want to um overly litigate that, but um I I do I do want to do an episode uh dedicated to the Mandalorian and I remember that I was talking with uh my buddy Jeremy from the Transmissions podcast that I was talking about earlier and um uh, you know, I, I told him that, you know, yeah, man, we should do an episode uh, on Mandalorian. And at this point, I I think like I, I don't remember if season one had even ended and I I just never got back to it. So that that's now that season two is over. I think that's something I need to um, do a deeper dive on, because like I keep teasing it here in these live streams, but I'm not I don't really like dig into it and and talk about how those uh um um how all that works um so but anyway i uh i i want to go back to the uh chat before i go too much further and this is what made me think of it and and uh got me distracted jeremy types in in the chat uh back to uh, uh christmas we were talking about uh we did christmas dinner dinner over google meet it was odd and as an audio nerd i had to hold my tongue and not comment on the other's lack of a decent mic yeah isn't that funny that we as like podcasters content creators we really do become audio snobs and it is i mean anytime i'm on like a microsoft teams call uh for work i am just i i am just wanting to to cut my wrists open that's a dumb comment uh jeremy also writes as a fan of 1.5 of the sequels the mandalorian blows them all out of the water uh this is the luke we always wanted to see and you can see the care applied to the stories and uh jeremy is absolutely right but i would also say with regards to um incorporating luke it uh oh, and it pains me to do this but um, okay, so on, on Front Street, I, I guess I should have made my intentions uh, more clear. Um, I don't like the sequels. Um, I especially don't like The Last Jedi. And as more time has passed, I like Force Awakens less. Like, I liked it at the time. I never loved it. Uh, but I did think it was incredibly serviceable and exactly what the franchise needed at the time. I do still stand by that, but I think in retrospect, it does get weaker and Rise of Skywalker is just a mess, but I don't dislike it. And I, I, um, I, I'm kind of like a weirdo because I delight in how 
bonkers it is um, because it is it is just mind-numbingly incoherent and it tries to go so fast that you don't notice it while it's happening so it's it's one of those things that it um uh repeating repeated viewings uh definitely show off its flaws but it is just so silly like i um i i found myself smiling and laughing and enjoying the experience way more than i did uh um last jedi and and even to an extent uh force awakens i i think i i think i actually had the most fun with uh with the rise of skywalker but um for the right reasons um but anyway yeah no i uh but uh there there's a line in the last jedi where luke old luke talks about well you know do, do you you know just go at the empire with, with or i'm sorry uh uh do you want me just to charge at the first order with the laser sword and he has a um another comment later where he's he scoffs and he's like oh well you know luke skywalker the legend and it's interesting how that that's kind of like a weird call forward call back to uh luke as we see him uh spoilers in um in mandalorian i'll come back to that in a minute uh james in the chat uh writes uh filoni favreau and rodriguez uh legitimized all the boba fett fandom and i completely agree i just watched that episode last night um and what one of one of the goofy criticisms is uh, uh well Tomorrow Morrison is an older guy and he's a person of a of a certain carriage. He's fat. That that's to say he's packed on a little weight, but I think I talked about this uh, um a couple episodes ago also, but I actually like the increased bulk that that he brings to Bubba Fett. Um I I think it makes him more imposing. Whereas, um, oh my God, and I didn't even mention this earlier, um, but um, you know, prior to Christmas, uh, after we did uh, did our last show, uh, Jeremy Bullock passed away. the uh, The original actor that did most of the uh, standing in for Boba Fett in Return of the Jedi and The Empire Strikes Back, um, and there's there there's a physical presence with Tamora Morrison that you don't get from the Jeremy Bullock performance. Uh, but I really liked it because like, I guess my own head Canon is that uh, Boba Fett is very similar to Jason Voorhees in that, like, you know, he, he just, he just walks really slow, but he'll miraculously end up behind you uh, to, uh, to make the kill. And um you see that in that scene where where Boba Fett returns, you know, he's very brutally but casually uh, wiping out these uh, these stormtroopers. And, you know, I just and even in that scene in the uh, the finale of The Mandalorian, where he's uh, uh, tussling with um, not Bo-Katan, but the the other gal who's name eludes me um but th there's uh, again that that um that physical presence that 
you didn't necessarily get previously. And I think, you know, the, the extra bulk is actually to uh, the character's benefit, you know, and I've seen a lot of apologists say like, Oh, well, you know, it's the, you know, it's, he was wearing the thick robes and all of that, but dude's fat. It's, it's okay. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, no, I, I like that. And I like what they've done with the costume. I love the black. I love the repaint look. Um, I also like the the distressed look, you know, the the kind of post Sarlacc, uh, you know, look and with the black robes. Uh, and I, I'm just excited that I'm sure we're going to get action figures of both versions. You know, the 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 um, I guess they're calling it rearmored, which, which is kind of like the uh, the the repaint. But. I don't know. I just uh, I, I, I'm excited that after all of these years and we've gotten Mandalorian characters before through uh, the Clone Wars and uh, Rebels, but I never thought that I was ever going to see another version, uh, an official canon version of Boba Fett ever again. And I, you know, I, I just I. I, I've got my uh, Black Series Return of the Jedi version on uh, pre-order from the Pulse. Um, I just bought the uh, carbonized version of Boba Fett earlier this year, and I thought it was just going to be like those two versions forever. So to get him back in black, um, as it were, I, I'm I'm just I'm just incredibly excited about that. So uh, James writes a question. With how they introed the Book of Boba, is this Fett the honorable one we see in Mando, or do we get the ruthless bounty hunter slash crime syndicate type character? I think it could be both, because like I, there is a honor to Boba Fett, into the point where like you know when we see him in Mandalorian, he immediately bonds himself to mando's quest he's like i'm here for my armor great now that you've returned my armor to me well actually he stole it out of the razor crest uh spoilers but um no i i think there is that that honor there but i think we've also seen one in how he handles the the stormtroopers and then how he makes his presence known um, at the end of the finale that there is a ruthlessness there. And I think with um, uh, Fennec, uh, Migna Wen's character uh, at his side, I think that will be an interesting dynamic as well. Like, you know, how tethered to him is she? I could really kind of see her being kind of like the uh, the the brains behind the brawn. Like, for example, Boba Fett is the one that sits on the throne, but she was sitting at his side with that with that glowy blue juice, um, uh, presumably in in sharing in that power and authority as well. And you know what? Now that Agents of Shield is off the air, I'm just excited to get more uh, uh, Mingna and uh, in it. In, in, I, I think she's great. I've all I've I, I've always been a fan of hers, and um, I, I still don't quite understand her whole deal. Like 
in in terms of like uh i i I guess she has a has a robot tummy now i i don't uh it's a little ill-defined that i think we'll see um uh perhaps embellished um as uh as as the book of boba fett goes um but yeah book of boba fett i hear is a short series much less than eight episodes side note we're getting a double finnick in book of boba and in bad batch oh i didn't know that she was gonna show up in bad batch also that's uh that's that's pretty dope um Let's see what else we got. Uh, Mando without a purpose, searching for who he really is, especially having more knowledge of the various tribes of Mando. Good call. Again, all of that uh, from from James. And with that, I, I did want to mention something. This is becoming an accidental Mandalorian episode, isn't it? But um, one of the things that I really liked in this season, this I'm I'm throwing the spoiler warning way out the window. So if you don't want to hear anything else about Mandalorian punch out and, uh, and I'll see you next week. Um, uh, come back to hear me talk about my top nine Instagram, which I might be able to get to, but um, one of the dynamics that I found so very interesting in this season is they laid the groundwork so thoroughly for the Mandalorian's character in season one, you know, the whole never take your helmet off. This is the way. And, you know, his whole philosophy. And then as soon as he meets Bo-Katan, it's like, he's the weirdo, you know, Oh, you're one of those cultists. And it's, it's an interesting move, whether it's a star Wars or any kind of show or movie or something to where, you know, you've, you know, you, you've had a a year worth of the memes and, you know, again, this is the way, this is the way to where you're on board with that philosophy and how devoutly, the character believes in that and it's really something to kind of try to yank the carpet out from underneath and kind of take the piss out of uh one of the fundamental things about the character to the point where that kind of starts the ball rolling gets the gears turning in the mandalorian's head it's like well maybe this isn't the way or maybe there's another way and we see that as as the season progresses and i i think part of that is when he encounters boba fett you know so it's like not only has he seen mandalorians that that run around with their helmets on off but he's also run into this this i guess jack mandalorian for for lack of better term you know he does the the thing where he's like be boop boop look you know this i i'm boba fett my father was jango fett and and this is why the armor belongs to me. And that pays off when they're in the bar in the finale. Uh, Cause I mean, again, Bo-Katan is so, so pissy uh, with him where it's like, you're not Mandalorian. And he's like, I never said I was. And I, I think that's, that's a way to be respectful to the various iterations of the Boba Fett character where, you know, he, was originally prevent presented as someone that wore Mandalorian armor. It was never that he was specifically Mandalorian. And I, 
again, but they but they found a way to kind of square that circle to where it's like, well, but my father, Jango Fett, was a foundling. So I'm kind of a Mandalorian by uh, um, uh, by heritage, um, if not by clan. So um, anyway, I, I to the point where the couple times he removes his helmet first. You know, when when they when they go to the uh, the space cafeteria, um, you know, it, it's it's a big deal. And, you know, and it's such a huge step for him. And it takes those incremental steps to where that's how you get to what happens in the finale. And one thing I, wa- I wanted to mention, and, and this isn't a new thought, I, I've seen the memes, but um, it is goofy that the uh, terminal to get all of like the secret files is in the lunchroom in, in the Imperial lunchroom, the cafeteria, uh, the break room. Um, and basically the, the, the Imperial security protocols involve having a face. I really liked that line from Boba Fett where it's like, let's just say they would recognize my face, but, they wouldn't recognize Din Djarin's face. They're just like, scan. Yep, you have a face. Have have our secret files. And so I I, I thought that was I thought that was that was a little goofy uh, plot convenience wise, but um, but still the, the character beat is incredibly important to how uh, the finale plays out. Um, one last thing I want to mention on Boba Fett. Well, I'll, I'll go through uh, the comments as well, but um. The one of the downsides of having Boba Fett show up in The Mandalorian and him being so important to so many of us is that I will fully admit that once Boba Fett showed up, that became what I was interested in. I kind of lost sight of the main plot for a while because I was so dazzled and fixated on he's back and it's oh well this is this has now become the boba fett show that you know i always wanted but never thought i was going to get i i um i i've told you in the past that like when i was in high school with with my stoner friends i i i said that um i would like to see uh boba fett done as a western um and i said that when i was 17 years old so uh you know uh copyright tm tm uh a 17 year old mike seibert uh but anyway no i just i i found that whenever boba fett wasn't on screen i just kept wondering where boba fett was and i found myself when he was on screen watching more intently probably then was appropriate than what I should have been. You know, it's like anything that having to do with slave one or, you know, just the way that they showed the ship and um, even like the seismic charges, you know, kind of, uh, you know, call back to, to attack loved all that stuff. But I would be lying to you if I didn't say that that kind of distracted me from the main plot it's like oh wait that's right there's that adorable green baby and his uh and and his uh iron man dad trying to trying to uh reconnect and so yeah i i i lost sight of that um so i i think it was um a wise decision that when we get to the final battle that boba fett just pieces out um because 
not for nothing, think about this. If he had stuck around, things would have gotten really awkward when Luke showed up. I'm surprised things weren't more awkward when Luke showed up because, you know, he walks into this room and it's full of folks with 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 buckets on their heads and T visors. So it's like, oh, wait a sec. So, yeah, it was uh, so so that that was uh, I, I just thought that that was kind of like a um, interesting bit of storytelling and uh, being smart about it. Um, let's see. Uh, let's go back into the comments. Uh, Jeremy, dad bod Boba Fett. Yes. And I mentioned this in my episode a couple weeks ago. Uh, dad bod Boba Fett is definitely cosplay goals. <laughs> um, oh, uh, my dude, Dave Cabal, uh, uh, jumped in. Um, I don't like, I, I didn't like Boba Fett at first, but seeing how Mando mando handled him it looks like he's on a redemptive arc i feel like he definitely felt disgraced on how he got knocked out in return of the jedi i would love to see boba fett reunite with other bounty hunters like bosk and dengar uh for sure uh you know throw throw me a zuckus and a forlom uh while you're at it too and even ig88 because like we've seen um We've seen what these IG droids can do. And I tell you, that was one of the most satisfying things, too, is the way that the robot characters are presented. We got a taste of that with IG-11. And I, I, uh, I had a discussion with, uh, with a friend of mine at work when I first saw the trailer for Mandalorian and you see like the, the spinning head and the swinging guns and how like methodical and robotic it all looked. Um, I'm just like, Oh, this is cool. This is, this is something I've never seen before, but it's something I've always wanted. And so if you could, uh, if you could bring some of that same energy to the OG to IG 88, I'm there with it. But, um, speaking of the the robotic movements i i liked uh what they did with the the death troopers i i didn't i didn't at first like when they first showed up i i thought uh i i wasn't picking up on what they were putting down with like how uh stiff they were i i, I and even now after having watched the finale again last night I still don't like the goofy jack-o'-lantern eyes. I think they're just um a little a little too underdesigned and a little a little too corny. I guess I would have preferred something um almost kind of similar to Kylo Ren's helmet where it's like, you know, almost flares like goggles and then just kind of like narrows in the middle um or something like that, but um yeah the 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 triangle jack-o'-lantern eyes just just didn't do it for me but i i loved that they are so inhuman because like droids that we've seen before in star wars that that's i think what kind of separates star wars from other types of uh, presentation of robots is that there is a humanity to it. Like, you know, you have Anthony Daniels in the C-3PO suit, so it has his humanity to it. Even like you had Kenny Baker in the, in the R2-D2 suit, you know, wiggling around in that, in that, in that trash can there. Um, whereas the, the dark troopers were, 
stripped of humanity to the point where their movements were incredibly uh, stiff. And I once I figured out that that's what they were doing, that totally makes sense. And I thought it was a good touch, especially once you bring in Luke, uh, because you can't have Luke Skywalker chopping through a hallway full of dudes in suits. Like if it was stormtroopers, the same way that Darth Vader was cutting through um, uh, rebels in rogue one. Um, it, it, it just wouldn't work. It, it would just, it would just, be icky and it, it just it just wouldn't feel right but having them be soulless inhuman robots you know it uh it works and the thing that i also appreciated is that there is a uh lethal brutality to luke skywalker's attack in that you you're reminded that one you're seeing Luke Skywalker at the height of his powers, something that we always, you know, wanted. But, you know, after after The Last Jedi and after The Rise of Skywalker, we thought, you know, well, you know, th there's no hope of that. You know, it's like um, it, it, it's just never going to happen. So like like I said a while ago, you know, something that I forgot to ask for, you know, I had wanted it for so long. I, I just I forgot to keep asking but you you're reminded in this scene that he is darth vader's son and i loved the the callback call forward to the rogue one scene um and yeah it was again it was i i guess in a sense that's what kind of snapped me out of uh wondering where boba fett was <laughs> But uh, but anyway, great scene. Um, uh, back to the comments uh, for a good for a good solid week, though, everyone was praising that Cobb Vanth did more in the Boba Fett armor than Boba Fett did in the original trilogy, including you, my friend. I remember your tweets at, at that uh, at that time. Um, anyway, so uh, I hope to see Cobb in the book of Boba Fett. Yeah, I um, I. I'm a big fan of Timothy, Timothy Oliphant. I loved Deadwood and I just, I guess my, my personal headcanon is that he's, he's, he's the same character <laughs> when, when he's Marshall Cobb. Uh, but yeah, I, I would love to see, um, I mean, cause they're, they're on Tatooine now. So, I mean, there, there's no reason why, um, uh, Cobb Vanth wouldn't return. Um, maybe with his own, a uh, modified set of Mandalorian-esque armor. I think I think that would be pretty cool. I think he's earned Boba Fett's respect. Um and and I think he did right by the suit. And but the thing that um that does linger with me is you know, he he tracks Boba Fett. I mean, he uh he tracks Mando to uh to this planet where where uh he's he's gonna set baby grogu on the on the seeing stone and he's gonna reach out to the force and you and you get that that scene where it's like i've been dragging you mandalorian i'm here for the armor i, I just i love the stuff that tamura morrison does with the voice too because like it's not quite what he was doing with Django. there's there's 
um, more of a harshness to it. And it's kind of closer to what uh, Jason Wingreen was doing in Empire. What if he doesn't survive? He's worth a lot to me. You know, th- there's there there's some of that 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 rasp to it. He's like, um, you know, I, I'm not here for your armor. I'm here for my armor. You know, that, that kind of thing. I also like how he trails off with his uh, S's. They almost kind of like hiss at the end. It just it. Anyway, I I really like what he's doing with the voice. But the thing that that I couldn't figure out that was kind of bugging me a bit is um, why didn't he just take the armor from Marshall Cobb to begin with? Um, You know, if he can uh, best a squad of stormtroopers with just a gaffy stick uh being being all all badass and boba fett about it i don't know if Cobb could have uh, uh stood a chance against that i i just don't know um let's see uh jeremy i think he meant the people would recognize him as a clone well yes yeah sorry uh the security was stupid but that's the empire yeah i um maybe somewhere in there i d- i didn't make that as, as clear and i thought that was a great line too he's like well let's just say they would recognize my face and i and that's the other thing that that i really appreciate about the mandalorian in general both season 1 and season 2 is that there's so many references and easter eggs but very rarely do they one hold your hand, but two jab you in the ribs about it? And like, I, I guess, um, I, I guess an example of that would be after Boba Fett makes that remark about, well, I, I think they would recognize my face if, like, you know, Bill Burr from Space Boston would be like, oh yeah, because because he's a he's a clone, you see, um, you know that that kind of thing to where you know there would be a a more thorough explanation of what um uh what what that joke was but i think that's where mandalorian is at its best because it it appeals to folks in my age range and demographic you know uh original trilogy fans grew up with the with this stuff um but it's also easily accessible and and pays just as much reverence to the more more contemporary stuff like there at, at this point now um I, I hate to break it to you but there there is an entire generation of kids that grew up with clone wars as their first star wars and for this show in live action to bring in so much of that lore and obviously it's from dave filoni but like you know the, there's there there's reverence to all of this stuff and all of these new spokes to the wheel that have been there the whole time that I I think is equally satisfying. But I think where Mandalorian really accomplishes the hat trick is it appeals to casuals. Um, Maybe folks that, that know something about star Wars, but maybe aren't as deep in the lore. Um, And, and it's approachable. Like my wife digs it. And, you know, she she likes Star Wars stuff and a lot of the stuff that that, you know, I've put in front of her. But um, when we finally watched Mandalorian, she was like, oh, I like this. So that there there was definitely a, you know, um, 
something extra there. So I, uh, where do I want to go from there? I got myself all, all over the place, but the, um, I, I wanted to say something about, oh, I do, I do have one bit of criticism with regards to this particular season of Mandalorian season two, unlike season one. Now, granted, I do get that they did the work and built the character and built the uh, environment and the story and everything in that um, season two kind of falls into a certain amount of backdoor pilotitis. Like every time you see a new character, it's like they're auditioning for their own series. Now, granted, we know there's going to be an Ahsoka series. Uh, we know there's going to be something about Rangers of a New Republic or some such like that. Um, do, does that is that where uh, Cara Dune goes? I kind of hope not. Um, or maybe it's like those those two X-wing dudes from the Ice Planet. I I don't really know. But but my point being is like that. It feels like that every episode of season two was like, Oh, well let's bring in these new people. Whereas in season one, it didn't necessarily feel like that. It was more about the Mandalorian and his story and building his character. Now, again, since they did the work, they can do what they did in season two. And, and again, I hope that season three is more like season one, me personally. Um, but yeah, it just, it, it just kind of felt it had kind of like that that Marvel Cinematic Universe Disney quality to it. Like, oh, don't worry about it. We're going to totally spin these people off. And we're already seeing it. You know, we, we've got, um, you know, we've got the Book of Boba Fett. We've got Ahsoka. We've got all of that other stuff. Um, so, yeah, but it's it's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm not mad about it, but I, I just I just kind of. I just kind of have been have been thinking about that. Uh, let's go back to uh, the comments here. Um, yeah, because, I mean, Chad has been popping and I haven't gotten to any of the other stuff that I was going to talk about tonight. But um, uh, Dave writes, totally agree. Uh, Cobb wouldn't stand a chance to Boba. I'm glad to be a part of the Boba Fett fan club. Oh, good for you, bud. Uh, mad respect to the armor, my personal opinion, but I loved the armor before Boba Fett cleaned it up. I like the distress look. Um, and it looks like he, he he's peacing out. Um, mad respect. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I like both. I mean, because I guess I've... Um, I've been a fan of the distressed look. So I like the, the rearmored cleaned up version as an alternate. Like it's like, Oh, we're doing something different, but with the same suit. So like when he came out with like that, that fresh coat of paint and the, like the cherry red goggles, uh, gauntlets and, and the, uh, you know, just the deep forest green. I, I liked it because it's different. It's like, Ooh, we're, we're doing something new. Now I've also said on the record that I'm a huge fan actually of the Django Fett suit. And I like it because it's, it's silver, you know, it's silver with like that little bit of blue around the visor. Um, so I, I like the Django suit. It's like, you know, the jetpack gunslinger. Um, 
but um okay so uh so Shar mentions in the comments as someone that read the books the mandalorian was what i always wanted to see disney uh changed a lot of stuff from the books um i'd love to see the thrawn series someday but i don't know if that's canon anymore um well the original thrawn stuff is not that's all old um extended universe stuff and all of that is now legends so more or less it's it's you know nobody's coming to your house to take your books um but interestingly enough while they have uh decanonized like you know all like the dark horse comics and like a lot of those uh well not a lot of all of they've since gone back and reestablished Grand Admiral Thrawn as a character in like there's I think Timothy Zahn the original not um original author has already done like two or three uh Thrawn books so there's new Thrawn material in addition to his appearance in Rebels um and you know I I have I have a really hot take about uh Grand Admiral Thrawn I uh ooh Jeremy put something in the in the comments that I got to read here. He says uh, Thrawn will be the Thanos with the culmination of all these series. And I'm kind of cool with that. I didn't even think of that. Um, that that's going to that's going to really take some oomph out of the uh, <laughs> out of my hot take here, because there there are some folks of of a certain age, you know, like I mentioned that actually, you know, kind of similar to Transformers there are different entry points for star wars like i mentioned that you know there there's a there's a generation of kids that that um that uh grew up with clone wars or even now have grown up with uh rebels or the sequel trilogy or uh resistance or you know uh take your pick of like the the current uh disney canon uh, that they're into, but there's, there's also like a sub series of folks. And I don't know exactly what the age group is. I'd, I'd have to, I'd have to think about it more. There are segments of the fandom that live and die by that Thrawn trilogy to the point where, um, to where they say that is their sequel trilogy to the point where, that's what they wanted to see Disney do is adapt those three books, Heir to the Empire, uh, Dark Force Rising, and The Last Command. Um, I have read those books. I like those books. I think they're fine. There, there are some cool characters and there are some cool concepts. That is not a trilogy of movies. There's, there's one movie in those three books. And I think it would be a pretty damn good movie and a very satisfying one. Maybe you do it as a animated movie, kind of similar to like what DC is doing with some of their stuff where they're just adapting um, old stories in into um, animation. Uh, but we know that that's, that's not what Disney is going to do, but um, I, I appreciated uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn being introduced in Rebels. I liked what they did at the culmination of Rebels where uh, Ezra's disappearance is tied to Thrawn's disappearance and those characters are now linked. Um, I, 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 I think that's really cool. Um, but yeah, I think, I, I think Jeremy's onto something there where it's like with, with 
Ezra and Thrawn kind of lost in time. I, I think, I think you could really do something with that. And if you seed it correctly, yeah, you could build to that almost like a Thanos style uh, villain because he is iconic in, in that same kind of way. Uh, Jeremy, I didn't read the original Thrawn books until my wife introduced them to me around 2008. They're good, but I really like what they're doing with him now. Uh, the book with him and Anakin slash Vader was great. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, it took me a sec. Um, because, like, it's interesting because, like, there was there was a lot of the early Disney era stuff. Like I got like all the Marvel comics and I read maybe like one of the aftermath books, but then I just kind of jumped off because it's, it's, this is not a rant about comics, but um, well, it is a rant about comics. Uh, Marvel just puts out too goddamn much stuff and they have done to their star Wars line, the same thing they do with Spider-Man and the X-Men and Wolverine and Deadpool is they put out so much material that I have found the only way for me to really uh, cope is to just jump off. Um, it, it's really kind of like war games in that way. You know, the, uh, the only way to win is to not play. So, um, so yeah, so I, I do, I do want to come back to Mandalorian at, um, uh, some point. And now as I had originally structured the show, I was going to kind of segue from my talking about the return of Boba Fett and how it made me feel to this, uh, um, the story about, um, this uh this youtuber i don't i don't know if you you guys had heard this or not but uh popular star wars youtuber and other fans expressed their disappointment in lucasfilm exec pablo hidalgo's alleged response to an emotional reaction video i'm reading this straight from uh the the uh twitter news collation thing the creator of the youtube channel star wars theory excuse me <clears throat> The creator of the YouTube channel Star Wars Theory, which has nearly 3 million subscribers, posted a video of himself reacting to a scene from The Mandalorian. The video reached some online mockery, which Star Wars Theory accused Hidalgo of um, supporting. So here's the deal. I'm not familiar with this channel at all. I don't know anything about this dude. Um but um oh yeah, i was watching his stream right before this one so maybe i should just ask jeremy to jump on and and uh um do it but so from what i understand let me see if i can bring up these tweets here uh share my screen and okay so i think this was the first one uh pablo hildalgo is chiming in on this thread which is making fun of me for being emotional over luke skywalker i don't mind trolls but I can't see what he said, and I'd hate to believe he would join in as a Lucasfilm official. Um, and then basically uh, somebody sends him the screen grab. Well, here it is. Basically Pablo validating that post and undermining my emotions. Uh, expected more from someone so high up at Lucasfilm. That's really shitty to see. Um, let me see. I had a, another tweet related to that 
Give me just a sec here. I will share my screen again. Because, yeah, I, you know, I don't really know much about Star Wars content creators. I, it's, it's just not the space where I live. So anyway, another, uh, another tweet from Star Wars Theory. Uh, Pablo chimes in to make fun, deletes the tweet, then puts, puts one of them as his header. How is this acceptable from someone so high up at Lucasfilm? You're telling people it's not okay to have emotions about the work your company produces and you make fun of them for crying question mark. Not okay. So yeah. So basically um, I'm doing this out of order here. So yeah. So basically this dude, Mr. Star Wars theory uh, did a reaction video to the Luke Skywalker scene. And, you know, and, you know, he's he's emotional about it and he cries. Um, and then this Pablo Hidalgo dude um, is is really shitty in this tweet. He says emotions are not for sharing. So with with the implication being that, you know, he's he's um, taking shots at this guy and making fun of him now where 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 I kind of come in on this. I mean, so I, I saw this blowing up on Twitter today and like do some backfill research to figure out what the heck anybody was actually talking about is um, I have seen kind of like a a weirdly defensive side of the fandom i've seen folks that well there's a lot of there's a lot about star wars fandom and folks in star wars fandom and factions of the star wars fandom that quite frankly i don't understand there are casual fans there are voracious fans and then there's the chuds and in the disney era from Force Awakens forward, it's become increasingly difficult for me to keep score and figure out who's who. Um, and not to put too fine a point on it, my fandom of Transformers is actually a kind of, in a sense, a response to my being burnt out on Star Wars fandom. Um, because like, you know, there, there's only so many posts I can see about Ray being a Mary Sue. It's like, I don't care. I, I don't think she's a great character. Um, I do like what she represents is in terms of, you know, inclusion and representation. Um, I, I don't know. And, and, and more or less what, what's happened is that my feelings about this franchise have been challenged. And like I said, like I, I, I'm one of those guys again, that looks like me that responded very badly to, uh, to the last Jedi. And I'm just like uh, this more or less, not only is it not my star Wars, but it's, it's star Wars telling me that it doesn't want me. And I, it's weird. You, you wait a handful of years and then something like Mandalorian comes around where it's like, you know, John Favreau has been like on front street about his inclusion of the fandom. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, 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 I fall in a couple different um, 
perspectives in terms of like, on one hand, I know that ultimate fan service is in the end, not very satisfying, but some fan service certainly is satisfying. And, and that's, that's why I think all of us are just going bonkers for this Mandalorian. I mean, it's like, I, I think if, if Mandalorian was just, um, a Boba Fett TV show and then Luke Skywalker shows up, I think it would be pretty hollow. But if it's something to where it has established as its own thing, and then you give me Boba Fett and then you give me Luke Skywalker, um, you know, it, it's it's kind of that 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 definition of I'll allow it. Anyway, back to back to this uh um this uh th- this controversy here is that like in a sense, I don't know the players well enough to know who the good guys are or who the bad guys are. Cause like, I mean, in transformers fandom, I I've kind of kind of sort of figured it out. It's like, Oh, that's right. That dude's a chud. I didn't know. Well, now I know. Yeah. Th- that kind of thing. So I I'm very, th- this sounds terrible, but I'm, I'm leery of content creators. Cause you know, I just, who knows? I mean, I, and, and I think sometimes that, that um you know folks might feel that way about me and the content that i do because you know i i um pride myself on being incredibly progressive but i also know that i'm probably one of those james gunn like deep dives away from you know folks being like Oh, well, I, I don't know about this guy. I mean, you know, look at look at the episodes I've done with Killing Spree, you know, where basically we're 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 savaging the the sequel trilogy or or God forbid somebody figure out where I work, you know, that kind of thing in terms of um, how how folks view somebody based by who they follow on Twitter. I, I don't know. I, I'm getting far afield on that, but but what what I'm what I'm trying to say is is I don't know who this guy is. I don't know anything about him, but what I do know is that there is a corner of the fandom that I think is disproportionately sensitive. So, like I I remember there was a thing a couple years ago where like the uh, actor who played Admiral Akbar. Uh, was he like was so distraught on the set of the last Jedi that, that he was crying in his suit and that more or less when the, when this came out, you know, kind of like the, um, you know, more or less he was made fun of uh, for it. And then the folks that came to his defense were the wrong people. I don't know if I can, if I can, say that without further research but it was you know um it was accounts and youtubers that do what i consider to be uh provocative abrasive content you know and um and, and again my my ignorance in this scene is really starting to show here and but i saw a lot of those same folks kind of jumping on this issue with uh with this um star wars theory guy and this uh pablo hidalgo guy 
So it's, um, I, I find myself very um, mixed and unsure. But um, at a time where we're putting, uh, did that screen refresh? There it goes. So later, um, uh, earlier this afternoon, uh, Pablo Hidalgo uh, put out a tweet and says, I wish to clarify that my post that quote unquote emotions are not to be shared was sarcastic self mockery and was certainly not intended to be hurtful to anyone and i am deeply sorry that it was as a lifelong fan i appreciate fans expressing how they feel it's what being a fan is about exclamation point we can't all be in movie theaters or at conventions right now so express yourself online parentheses in fact those of us not prone to such displays will quietly live vicariously through your energy that's a lot to unpack because it, it it's a very mixed bag um apologies one homeboy sounds out of touch i don't know what age range we're looking at is but it, it feels like someone who has just discovered the internet and like um has just now discovered that react are a thing like you know, I, I'm a fan of Kevin Smith. So I I I mean I'll I'll watch that dude ball at the the drop of drop of a hat. I mean, I mean shit. The the dude cried watching Tomorrowland on a plane. So, you know, <laughs> just you know, some folks and and I and I think that's all right also. I think um I think things like this are harmful to destigmatizing how folks express themselves and being true to their emotions. Like I, I mean, I, I think, I think the closest that I come and, and again, I don't, I don't cry at movies, not because I, Oh, you know, you know, hands on hips, like, Oh, I don't, it's just, I just, I don't connect in that way. Like I've uh, I, I've I, I've joked in the past. I'm like, shoot, I didn't even cry when Wolverine died. So, but but I do have those swellings of emotions. Like I, you know, I, uh, you know, I'll get like, you know, throat clinches or, you know, just just other physical uh, manifestations of of that emotional connection to things, and you know bringing it back to the the boba fett thing i i had that kind of reaction like i you know i had told you a couple of weeks ago it's like i i literally like reached out and squeezed my my uh my wife's hand and i'm like he's back and it was just like this this the closest that i get to that type of um uh emotional response and when i was talking about it a couple of weeks ago here on the podcast i i you know, I, I could I could feel my eyes getting heavier, you know, in a tweet I put like being glassy eyed. I went back and looked at the tape and it doesn't look like there's any difference, but it just kind of physically felt that way for um, for lack of better term. But I don't know, like I just and again, I have no judgment for folks that do um, uh, choose to express themselves 
uh, that way. Um, so, okay. So uh, Jeremy has some uh, insight uh, that I would like to share. Um, let's see. Uh, Star Wars Theory has been having watch parties when Mando went live on the Plus every week, and he had a genuine breakdown when Luke showed up. He later explained that he didn't have the best childhood, and Luke was a figure he looked up to, much like a lot of us had with uh, with Optimus. And he's absolutely right. And even now, I I didn't realize it was live, and that and that and that that makes that type of emotional expression that much more pure and authentic i got no problem with that because like it's i mean that's being somebody that works in live content whether it's for the podcast here or for my work it's like those those are the moments that you crave where like um you know, I've I've had reporters on some of my uh, talk radio shows uh, that I that I produce, like, you know, start to uh, actually like break as, as they as they're talking about a heart wrenching story, because, you know, on talk radio, they, they can kind of take off their 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 more objective journalist hat. And, and it's like it, it's it's the authenticity um, uh, that you crave. So. Um, that's yeah. And, and again, when, when Luke showed up, I mean, I, I, I didn't, I didn't have that same, I, I, I totally understand everyone's connection to Luke Skywalker. Quite frankly, I think I got more emotional when R2D2 showed up, um, because it's like, you know, the, just the, there, there's something comforting and reassuring and transportative about, you know, the, those familiar bleeps and whistles and, you know, kind of that, that, you know, he's telling the little dude that everything's going to be okay. So it's, it's that, that worked for me. I mean, I, the Luke stuff, it worked for me because it was cool. Um, it's just like, yeah, that is super rad. That's, but, but I don't, I, 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 I just don't have that, have that, that same connection to Luke. Um, Jeremy continues. He said on his stream tonight that he has been contacted by Pablo and Lucasfilm and has no interest in talking with them. He just wants to keep making his stuff. Good for him. Screw those guys. Also, as a Lucasfilm employee, any public interaction should be a lot better than this. Sarcasm never works well in text. Yes. Um, having been somebody that has written emails that land wrong, that um, that I have responded to tweets in certain ways that have been misinterpreted, um, to say nothing about text messages. Like I've, I mean, I mean, shoot, I, uh, I, I've had a couple, uh, dustups with my mom because of the way that, um, tone isn't easily conveyed through the written word through text, especially something as fast and as impersonal as a text message or a tweet. Um, so yeah, it's, um, I, I guess leave the snark to Wendy's. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, that's, 
yeah um let's see so uh let's see uh Char, i got i got chills when boba fett and luke showed up in the show and jeremy r2 is the hero of the saga and i you know i um that that was kind of my postmodern takeaway from the prequels it's just like yeah no um r2d2 is really kind of um uh getting his due and um one of my many many uh disappointments with the sequel trilogy is that you know you get some c3po but um not nearly enough but you get like virtually no r2 and i do think though that um probably one of the best moments in in that last jedi in that you know it's it's r2 showing luke the original projection of princess leia saying you know you know you're my only hope and even luke acknowledging it saying that was a low blow i that scene still worked i i liked it um i watched the prequels as r2 telling the stories to luke and embellishing a bit yes absolutely and it's interesting i wonder i um, so one of one of the projects that was announced for the disney plus was um a droid story which i think is a standalone film or it's it's like a one-shot type of thing but yeah i i wonder sometimes if they um would kind of square that circle of uh kind of more or less the skywalker saga through the prism of r2d2 because he's the only one that was there from episode one through the end and again that's that's where i think um one of the things that the prequels kind of have over the sequels in that like you know r2 is almost always around so it's uh i don't know where else to go with that um and you know what i uh i am looking at the time and um you know i i got to um this really took a turn into um into mando territory and i um um i didn't get to um a lot of the material that i wanted to uh, get to i i think i'm going to record a separate show talking about my uh top nine instagram for uh for the year um because you know for um for a lot of us uh 2020 was a terrible year between you know the pandemic civil unrest protests and you know the ongoing concern of uh social justice but you know as as this year draws to a close and again this is our uh, last show of the year um i i i struggle with gratitude and what i what i wanted to do tonight originally was you know there, there's this there's this um um uh, meme generator thing on Instagram where, you know, it, it gives you your, your top nine. It's a popularity contest. It just kind of aggregates uh, the nine uh, uh, posts that folks have liked the most. But I, I did this a couple years ago and I realized that um, counting's one's blessings is more of a Thanksgiving thing, but I know I take many blessings in my life for granted. And um Anyway, so yeah, I'll 
I'll do that at a different time. Um, you know, kind of go through some of those uh, nine posts and kind of tell some of the stories um, about that. Um, Cause I mean, you know, 2020 in its own way was still kind of like a landmark uh, uh, transitional uh, year for us. You know, we, we moved to a new house and, and um, you know, had, had adventures there, but um but before I get out of here, um, there was a, there was one last thing I wanted to mention. Um, and I, I didn't want to leave without saying it because I tweeted about it and wanted to make sure that, uh, um, that I covered it. Um, a friend of the show, uh, Lucia Fasano has a brand new EP that she just put out. In fact, like she just put it out like an hour before, uh, before I went live. So I wanted to talk about that, um, before I left, um, so she writes, and this is actually in her uh, uh, write-up. Um, Hi, before uh, before the new year, have an EP of two songs from my song commissions and one extra. I was asked to write songs based on my friends, uh, journalist Brock Wilbur and Vivian Kane's Rescue Pets. As a owner of Rescue Pets myself, these songs are imbued with the bittersweet feelings about our pets and their origins. Um, an EP that follows the journey of... Uh, rescue cat Kimball, dynamic duo Woodward and Bernstein, and rescue dog uh, trips um, as they find love, acceptance, and safety for the first time. And uh, the EP is called Because They Are Baby. Uh, that is uh, by Lucia Fasano, that is available on her Bandcamp page. And it is about uh, rescue pets. And I think we can all uh, relate to that um, in our own ways. And because, um, I mean, who doesn't love doggos? And uh, and who doesn't love the kitties? But I uh, I also want to remind you uh, that Lucia is open for song commissions. Uh, she opened her uh, commissions uh, um a couple months ago um hit her up on her social channels for more info and uh when you do let her know that that mike guy uh that podcaster guy uh from seattle sent her uh sent you i'm getting scrambled <laughs> it's it, it's getting towards the end of the night kids but um yeah no um podcast listeners will know uh her music from our theme song or at least the alternate theme song that i put here on uh the live streams the the ukulele version of the mike cybert radio uh theme song um she's uh she's uh one of my favorite independent artists that i've connected with over the years um so i have personally commissioned her uh for the theme song and i love it and um that uh that collaboration is a lot of fun so i just kind of wanted to do a quick um you know signal boost uh for that go check out the new ep and um uh because they are baby from friend of the show uh lucia fasano and um and i think with that that will do it for this week's episode but hey real quick Two quick reminders before I get out of here. Next week, Dave Sanders returns, and we're talking fall and winter TV. We uh, pushed it back a week. We were originally going to do it tonight, but we thought that waiting until after the new year would be a good time to uh, have a better 
clearer picture of what's going on with network TV, uh, what's back, what's not, and what that landscape uh, looks like. And then, of course, coming up on Sunday, January 10th at uh, 2 p.m. Pacific time, it's my interview with Emmy Award-winning singer-songwriter Stan Bush, the one and only. Uh, We will be talking about his new album, Dare to Dream, available now at stanbush.com. And, of course, we will discuss his songs from the Transformers, the movie, Dare and the Touch. Um, But, again, that will wrap things up for this week's episode. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you so much for interacting and commenting and keeping that chat lit um huge shout out to uh jeremy and char and dave cabal and james from the distance nerding podcast uh check those guys out as well um yeah this is a this is probably the liveliest chat we've had uh had in some time and and i i think that's a really cool way to uh close out the close out the year i would love to hang out longer but getting tired i've been working all day (laughs) um and if you want to listen to my podcast mike cybert radio podcast and all of my past shows subscribe on apple Podcasts, stitcher google Podcasts, spotify tune in or wherever the heck else you listen to your podcast and you can check out the full show archive out on soundcloud five years and over 300 episodes worth of shows out there and come on back for the After Hours live stream Monday nights at 8 p.m. Pacific time on Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook Live. Like, share, rate, and review the show. Let us know what you like and what you'd like to hear more of in the future. Mike Seibert Radio is powered by Poddex. Use my discount code MSRP10 at checkout to get 10% off your first order, poddex.com. Special thanks to Dave Sanders for our production elements. For Mike Seibert Radio, my name is Mike, and until next year, wear a mask, wash your hands, and make good choices. Good night. You've been listening to the Mike Seibert Radio Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching at Mike Seibert Radio. Email us at MikeSybertRadio at gmail.com. The spelling on that, of course, is S-E-I. B-E-R-T. Call into the voicemail hotline at 231-224-MIKE. Once again, that's 231-224-6453. Special thanks to Michael Geisler for our theme music. For more like it, check out ByDoorMusic.com. This has been a Mike Seibert Radio Production.